You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And then there was one kicker for now. Welcome into the Locked On Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Cox from Pro Football Focus, NBC Sports Chicago, and Bears Wire. I'm here to bring you your daily Chicago Bears news and analysis. And before we even had a chance to break down the Bears preseason game from Friday, Matt Nagy decided to go out and make a couple more headlines in between. Of course, releasing kicker Elliot Fry. So that's where we have to start on today's podcast, looking at what could still be in store for Eddie Pinero and the Bears kicker position. But then we'll wrap up with our recap of the Bears preseason game, going back over guys who stood out, guys who struggled, and, and overall trying to figure out what exactly we learned Friday night. We learned Sunday morning that the Bears would go down to one kicker. With Elliot Fry being waived, Eddie Pinero gets the sole possession of the job for now. And Matt Nagy spoke shortly after the announcement was made. Eddie Pinero actually spoke as well, but I thought Matt Nagy's comments were a little bit more interesting. So we'll start with what he had to say and then go through that a little bit and where the kicker position could go from here. Why now? Well, I think the biggest thing is what, what it enables us to do now uh, with two preseason games left, is get more more um, kicks, essentially, whether that's in practice. Um, now you're not splitting reps in the in the preseason game. So you, and then and then I think too, there's a little bit of the mental mindset as well for for, for you know for Eddie to understand that and, and know that you know these next two games will be be great for him to get out there and get some good reps and and uh, the volume will pick up a little bit for him. So you feel like this gives Eddie a better chance to prove himself over the mm. next couple weeks. I do. Yeah, I think it is. It's a great it's a great the way I look at it, it's a great opportunity for him to see what, you know, what he can do. And um, human nature is whenever there's there's two people for one spot, you, you know, you, you don't, you know, number one, every rep's getting cut in half and then mentally you, you just don't know. Now there's a little more clarity and again, it's it, it wasn't easy because they they were they were very close and um, but that's what we decided to do. We're rolling forward with that, and now you know he has two two games here to to show us what he can do. Matt, is the, is the competition over? Is the competition over kicker, between those two? Yeah, yeah. Well, can you bring in another kicker? So you know, like any position, we're always going to be looking for the best. So I think the, for Eddie, though, he needs to understand that we we feel really good with where he's at, and now he hasn't. You know, he's never he's never kicked in an NFL game before, so. It, that could go a couple different ways. Uh, it, could, it could go really good. It could go really bad. We don't know that answer. But for right now, we're we feel good with where he's at. We want him to just keep, uh, you know, keep kicking like he's been. And and uh, but we're always we're always going to keep that thing open. And not just at that position. Every position until we make that final fifty-three. Deciding factor with Elliot. What, uh, no, I think just it was a over over time. There was a body of work throughout both of them and. Uh, I did. I told you there's a there's a, a weight to the preseason games. They both missed in the preseason, uh, so there's that. Um, but you know we've had a lot of reps and a lot of good looks at them 
over throughout OTAs and preseason and training camp. And so, um, you know, again, it's never easy. I, I hate the I hate those conversations with the guys because they they they're part of us. You know, for Elliot, he's a part of us. And but and and there's only there's only one spot, and we just felt like now's the time. Was the plan to whittle this thing down so you could have one guy go through the last? two games kind of regardless of performance no it really wasn't you know for us I, I, before when i told you it, it we're kind of letting this thing play out you know there was no hey by the end of week two we're gonna have one kicker and this is what we're gonna do no it wasn't like that um this is this is something that has been a little bit over time and we've known a direction um over over time for you know both of them they both had their chances and you kind of go back and forth back because it you know, to me, there wasn't just one, some somebody. I think you guys will agree that just blew it out of the water. That you could say, you know, it's it's probably close to a lot of people, and it, it was a tough decision for us. But um, again, it was collaborative. We did it together. That's the way we're going. And now he has an opportunity to get more kicks and has an opportunity to uh, to uh, you know make the roster and be our kicker. Matt Nagy obviously stopped short of endorsing Eddie Pinero as their kicker for Week One more simply making the move to be able to more closely evaluate Pinero. And it it is a win for Eddie that he very clearly won the the head-to-head battle there with Elliot Fry to prove that you know, he's the one who deserves a little bit of a closer look. But I don't think you're finding too many people across the Bears media or even fan base confident that this guy is going to be the one that they go with just yet. I mean, there's there's always that possibility if he continues a strong preseason that they give him that thumbs up. But in the meantime, I think everyone's expecting the Bears to keep an eye on kickers elsewhere. Of course, they were in on the Kare Vedvik trade discussions from the Baltimore Ravens. But there's a few other kickers around the NFL this preseason sitting as backups or, you know, just having a potential opportunity to be available. Uh, I think the most popular name is Joey Sly from the Carolina Panthers, who we saw in the first preseason game. He's now 5-for-5, hitting four of them from 40-plus, including two from beyond 50 yards. He's one of only three kickers who's attempted and hit five field goals this preseason, and the only one who's likely to become available you know, at the end of the preseason. I'd also look at Cole Hedlund from the Indianapolis Colts. He's four for five, and his only miss was from 51 yards, and he's hit three of them from the 40-yard range. Uh, a guy like Tristan Vizcano from the Cincinnati Bengals nailed a 57-yarder in the Bengals' second preseason game, but did miss one from 47, hasn't attempted a ton of passes, And then for some reason, Matt Bryant, the former Atlanta Falcons kicker, he's 41 years old, remains a free agent. I feel like we've brought his name up multiple times this offseason. He hit 95% of his field goals in 2018. A super accurate kicker, hasn't formally announced any retirement, continues to sit as a free agent for whatever reason. Teams haven't signed him yet. We don't really know why. But that's a name I continue to kind of have my eye on until week one, until you can really rule it out and the Bears have to move forward with somebody else. Keep an eye on Matt Bryant there as well. So a a small and a temporary win for Eddie Pinero at this point, but certainly nothing secure yet at the Bears' kicker position. At the very least, releasing Elliott Fry should give Eddie Pinero a little bit of a confidence boost And if you find yourself needing a confidence boost, then you should check out our friends at BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. And they bring you the first chewable tablet with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. 
And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. Now, it's not just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so you don't have to go to a pharmacy, you don't have to deal with a doctor, and it's even cheaper. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked on. You just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B L U E com promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. I'm sure it won't be long before we have another kicker update to discuss on this podcast, but for now, Let's take a step back to Friday in the preseason loss to the New York Giants because through the weekend, didn't have an opportunity to come on the podcast and really break down what we saw in that game from some of the surface-level big names and some of the bigger questions about roster battles and final 53-man spots still up for grabs. Of course, the big standouts defensively, and really kind of were the whole standouts for the whole team, Clifton Duck, the undrafted rookie cornerback makes the diving interception you know the small school kid 5'9 from Appalachian State just trying to make a name for himself at what is a deep cornerback position with a lot of young talent on the board and you know it wasn't just the interception he ended up playing I think 37 snaps which was just was up there among the team leaders. I think Michael Joseph and and John Franklin each played 39. Duke Shelley played 38, and Duck got in there for 37. So clearly those are the four young cornerbacks getting the longest look with, you know, Steven Denmark not participating so far this preseason. And Kevin Tolliver injured in the first game, and I think they feel a little bit more comfortable with where he is right now in his development. So he's not getting a a ton of playing time. They want to see where these other guys are. And Duck was in coverage, I think, 17 coverage snaps, targeted three times, one catch, eight yards. And, of course, that interception. That's good for a passer rating of just 2.8. And I know that's a a very small sample size, so the passer rating can be a little bit exaggerated in that sense, but more or less solid in coverage across the board. But his performance wasn't all perfect either. As much as... That interception is a huge play and a big turnover and, and the type of play that gets his coach's attention and honestly gets the attention of coaches and scouts from across the NFL. I think there were six other team scouts formerly in attendance, and I know coaches like Bill Belichick watch every single team's preseason game. So, of course, a lot of eyes on Clifton Duck making those there that interception, but a lot of eyes also saw Clifton Duck miss two tackles in the game. When you talk about being a little bit of an undersized cornerback in that regard, being able to step up and run defense and make some of those tackles, we didn't really see that in this game. Missed tackles weren't an issue in the first game. He had six or seven tackles and didn't have any issues wrapping up there. But for whatever reason, a little bit off balance here and there. The technique wasn't quite there on a couple of tackle attempts in this game. And it was really the only blemish on what was an otherwise strong performance. And I think it's a similar discussion with James Vauders at the outside linebacker position. Of course, the strip sack on Daniel Jones, huge play and uh, something he deserves a ton of credit for and being able to get after the quarterback, especially at a position where there's some question marks about the outside linebackers 
on the bench. We know the, the top three are pretty well set in stone, but once you get to outside linebacker four and maybe five, some real question marks there, and James Vauder's really inserting himself in that conversation with the strip sack, but it wasn't just that sack. I mean, he was able to pressure the quarterback two other times, so he only rushed the passer 12 times and affected the quarterback on three of them. That's a great return for a, a guy like this that you hadn't really heard of coming into the preseason, certainly leading the Bears in pressures and pass rushing in this game and you know doing a, a pretty solid job of making his presence felt. There were some times in, in run defense where maybe he wasn't holding up as well as you'd like on the edge. Not that it was a major concern, and, and I think pass rushing is going to be more important for his future with this team, but just another, you know, like Ducks missed tackles, maybe a slight blemish on what was an otherwise strong performance for James Vauders. You know, he wasn't really asked to drop much into coverage. That, that was more reserved for the inside linebackers. And, you know, I made the joke on Twitter that Nick Kwiatkowski would have been a great linebacker in 1995, and I do think that's true. I mean, he's, he is a run-defending, sort of more of a two-down type linebacker. He very much does have physical limitations in terms of his speed and explosiveness, but he also sometimes is a little bit stiff in coverage as well and can seem to be a step late there. But I, what I thought was interesting is by the time this game was all said and done, how the coverage stats ended up coming out. Because I think people were sitting at home and you, you watch and you feel, felt like Kwiatkowski wasn't quite where he needed to be in coverage. But looking at the pro football focus data for his charting in this, he's only in coverage 10 coverage snaps. So it's a small sample size here. But one target, one catch for four yards. That's passable. I mean, that's that's a fine day in coverage. It's not, you know, he's, he's only 10 snaps, so it's not a lot for us to work with. But you compare that to, say, Joel E.A. Booneyway, who, you know, maybe he was you know, making some tackles in there. And I think there was some thought that, oh, maybe he had a better performance. But you look at him in coverage, five targets, three catches for 35 yards. And Josh Woods, the other young inside linebacker, five targets, four catches for 34 yards. And they, they were in coverage more. So, I mean, in terms of, like, purely a volume standpoint, they weren't, you know, they, they played up, you know, double the coverage snaps, but still more than double the targets, more than double the catches, and, of course, more than double the yards allowed. So even though it was a small sample size for, for everybody, you're still seeing proportionally EA Booneyway and Josh Woods in that game being more vulnerable in coverage than Nick Kwiatkowski. And, and perhaps that could be more a circumstance of situation rather than their physical abilities per se. But it's just interesting when the statistics don't exactly match up with the perception in that game. Again, that's not a grade. Those are just purely coverage snaps. And Kwiatkowski not as bad in that regard in a small sample size. I'll say it for the third time. Small sample size for Kwiatkowski in coverage in that game. But he, he was passable. And I think that's where he always has been. In his NFL career, we've seen him play meaningful regular season snaps. And I, I think the whole the big takeaway for me is that if there was any doubt that Nick Witkowski was going to make this team, eliminate that doubt. Because he is a he calls the plays. Roquan Smith does not. It's Trevathan and Kwiatkowski are equipped to be the play callers. Roquan does not have that responsibility. So they're not going to release Kwiatkowski. And I would be surprised at this point if they traded Kwiatkowski just given his value there. So some encouraging showings from some young defensive players there at key positions in key positional battles. And unfortunately, I don't know that we can say the same thing about the offense. Up next on the podcast, 
We'll look at some of the surprises offensively where a few guys struggled and a couple of updates on some position battles. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Bears. I should have prefaced it at the beginning of this preseason talk that, of course, no Bears starters played in this game. So any concerns or anything that we have about the way the team looked and the way the team played is really all about the depth and the backups and the guys that really shouldn't be playing a ton of meaningful snaps anyway. And if they are, then you have bigger concerns than how well your fourth outside linebacker or backup offensive tackle or third string running back or whoever You'll have bigger concerns than just how well that position player is playing. So all of this can be sort of put in perspective that way, that as much as we get interested in how these players played and how these position battles are shaping up in the grand scheme of the Bears' season, it doesn't seem like these these types of game results and, and performances are going to have a great impact overall. So now that I've undermined the importance of everything I'm about to say, why don't we talk about what the offense did and, and really didn't do in that preseason game against the New York Giants? Obviously, the backup quarterback situation, less than ideal, and that might be putting it a little bit mildly. And I think it lended some credence to what we had talked about on Friday in the Mailbag podcast, where someone asked about the possibility of drafting a quarterback in the near future. It wouldn't hurt just to bring somebody in, if, if for nothing less than to give us a more entertaining preseason to watch, because Chase Daniel and Tyler Bray, uh, they're, they are not doing it. I don't know about you, but by the time you get into that fourth quarter, man, these games can be a little bit hard to watch. And I think some of the running back situations gave us gave me you know a little bit more reason to be excited. And you know we saw some receivers getting some action in there, so there, there's some of that. But quarterback play from the start, so bad, and that, that does make it a little bit harder to evaluate some of the pass-catching skills. I mean, you know, you look at a guy like Marvin Hall, for example, and, and two weeks in a row he's missed wide open downfield, and I think there's been at least three of those plays now in these games where the guy gets open, and he's running down the field, and the ball just can't get to him, overshot, undershot, etc., and you would expect that with backup quarterbacks and yada, 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 but it's, it's sort of hard to say how he would finish those plays, and he deserves credit for getting open, and the Bears are going to give him all the credit in the world for that, and it does help his chances there, but it makes it hard for a guy like that compared to someone like Javon Wims, who gets a bunch of targets and a little bit more so underneath, right, like going back over looking at the six balls Javon Wims was thrown. He got a couple deep there, and he was able to bring in one for, I think, like 29-ish yards over the middle, but there was another one a little bit off target down the field. But you know, intermediate and over the middle of the field, I think, are where a lot of his balls are going, and that's where these quarterbacks are a little bit more accurate, a little bit more comfortable throwing the ball. When you look at Ryan Nall tied with Wims for the lead targets with six, the dump-offs, the check-downs, and that's where... You know, it can be easier to see what a guy like Javon Wims can do when he's winning short and underneath like that. Whereas Marvin Hall, his bread and butter is that deep, deep ball and being that speedster and just not a great position for him to be properly evaluated, which which is always tough there. But it, but it's curious when you look back over sort of the the passing game. You know, I mentioned those target leaders. You know who didn't receive any targets? Anyone at a tight end position. Every single pass was thrown to a wide receiver or a running back, and it was almost all wide receivers. Nall had six targets, Kareth White had one, but that's seven out of your 29 pass attempts. The rest, that would, a quick math would tell me that's 22 pass attempts to wide receivers, 
And I guess Taquan Mizell got two there, so he's listed half wide receiver, half running back. But I think he was at receiver on at least one of those targets. Regardless, no passes to Ian Bunting after he was the big leading receiver last week. No passes to Bradley Sowell, your converted offensive tackle who's trying to get more comfortable with that aspect of the tight end position. No passes to Dax Raymond, who's trying to fight for his job and show his athletic ability a little bit as a move tight end type piece. And I I don't know how intentional that is. It doesn't seem like it would be wholly intentional. I think some of that can be just sort of a product of game script and game situation and and just your quarterback. It's obvious that the Bears weren't drawing up plays to throw to their wide receivers. It seemed like they had drawn up plays to Riley Ridley early on, you know, trying to get him the ball and some plays to throw to the running backs and see what they could do. I mean, there, there is some of that in terms of quote-unquote scheming and game planning in those preseason games, but clearly tight end, not a part of that in this preseason game, which again, a little bit tough on the evaluation process there for those guys because you're not seeing how they're catching the ball. And we didn't even get to see a lot of them in pass protection. And again, they're not going to ever play a ton, a ton of pass protection snaps, but uh, Dax Raymond had three, Ian Bunting had two, Bradley Sowell had four. Sowell gave up that sack. It just looked really bad there as a former offensive tackle. That was a, not a strong pass protection from him. Dax Raymond gave up a pressure as well on just three pass protection snaps, and Ian Bunting, two snaps was clean, but... Again, we're talking about two snaps, so how much weight can you put into that? And it really felt like a bit of a wash in that regard for these tight ends, which is a shame when you've got roster spots available here and and a clear need for better depth there and just not getting to see a ton of that. And even in the run blocking, I didn't think Bradley Sowell played particularly well there. Ian Bunting, not really much of a blocker himself as a converted wide receiver, so expectations may be a little bit lower for him and, and meeting those expectations and kind of similar for Dax Raymond. None of those guys are truly great blockers. Raymond was probably the best out of the three of them, but still a bit of a small sample size and, and still a bit disappointing that we don't get to see more of those tight ends. But you know, overall, I thought the blocking as a whole was disappointing. You know, Rashad Coward still looks very raw from a technique standpoint, his, his drop back in pass protection just looks ugly. And it I, I've been surprised through both preseason games that he hasn't allowed more pressure. And, you know, it's he's surviving off of it here and there. But if he had to play, you know, meaningful minutes against the Khalil Max and the, you know, the Ziggy Ansas of the world and, you know, this, the two Smiths, the Pakistan, you know, that's when those start to be a concern because the kid can maul people in the ground game. You know, he's an old-fashioned right tackle right now, a mauler who can move guys off and use his strength to really push guys around. But the, when he was on the field, he they ran the ball eight times and passed it 25. And, and I think that was intentional to try and get him more passing snaps to work on that up until the point he got hurt, of course. And it's still a work in progress for him. And I was even disappointed on the left side, Cornelius Lucas, who I, I think should have the edge right now in terms of overall quality. But he gives up a sack and a couple of hurries as well. And he, you know, he played, I believe, the entire game at left tackle, more of a natural pass blocker than run blocker, even though he's like a six foot eight. He just gets, because he's so big, I think he gets a little bit off balance moving forward because he has to get down a little bit to get good leverage in the run blocking game. And you have to kind of sit back on your hips and with your butt a little bit more to stay balanced and not be leaning too far forward because he's so big. And I think you see him kind of struggle with that. Whereas in pass protection, because he can kind of use that height as he comes back, he can sit even lower and still kind of keep his center of gravity where it needs to be and, and be able to hook on that way. So disappointing from both 
swing tackles right now. And it feels like the Bears might be looking elsewhere to see if they can bring in some more offensive line depth at the tackle positions specifically. Because at guard and center, Ted Larson looks fine as the backup veteran center there. And Alex Bars, the undrafted rookie free agent from Notre Dame, solid in this game, was probably their best offensive lineman on the field. I don't think this is a guy that's going to miss the 53-man roster. I don't think they could stash him on the practice squad. I think between what we had seen at Notre Dame and him sort of not no longer having some of the injury concerns from that coming out and now playing well in the preseason, somebody will put him on their 53-man roster if the Bears aren't going to. And I, I do think the Harry Heaston connection will keep Alex Bars on this roster because the kid can block. He's playing really well, and I'm excited to see kind of where that goes moving forward. Jordan McRae, the backup right guard, played all the right guard snaps. We saw Lucas Bars and McRae at left tackle, left guard, and right guard play every single snap in this game. Uh, TJ Clemens came in for Rashad Coward after he got hurt at right tackle, and then Sam Mustafer came in for Ted Larson at center and, and played pretty well. So some, some offensive line depth concerns, particularly at those swing tackle positions and blocking all around, the, the offensive line and the, tack, and the tight ends as well, just not... Not where you want to see from your backups, playing against other backups if any of them had to be called upon in the regular season. And I just wanted to wrap up with a quick running back battle update because in the first preseason game, Kareth White you know, had a couple of nice runs but did not play any significant special teams role. And to me, that was a big signal that Ryan Nall is much more likely to stick as the fourth wide receiver if they are, or as the fourth running back if they are indeed going to keep four running backs. White finally gets a little bit more involved on special teams in this game, but really produces next to nothing in the ground game. Six carries, 10 yards with one touchdown, but that touchdown was at the goal line anyway. Long run of seven, you know, that's 1.7 yards per carry. Not the explosive speedster that we wanted to see at the running back spot. Whereas Ryan Nall gets seven carries for 23 yards. Not amazing, 3.3 yards per carry, but was able to break off a 14-yarder, make some guys miss, run over some guys, and still, I give Ryan Nall the early edge continued over the seventh-round pick, Kareth White. And whatever hope Taquan Mizell had to stick as a wide receiver running back hybrid really went out the window with those two fumbles. I think we can pretty well right off the guy who had four carries for negative one yards. <laughs> That's about as terrible of a preseason performance as Taekwon Mazel can get. And uh, it was amazing that he, I mean, this was a kid who was playing major snaps. I think he started the wild card game against the Philadelphia Eagles at running back. The Bears kept putting him out there last year. He's really done very little this preseason, and I don't think will stick beyond the, by the time week one comes around. So still, still questions to be answered battles to be won. Nothing's locked in yet at any of these positions really that we talked about today as far as backups and, and any of those spots. Even the kicker, even though there's only one on the roster, still not locked in just yet. But I hope you're locked in on Locked On Bears. Make sure you're subscribed to keep up with all of our daily Bears news and analysis. And make sure you follow Locked On Bears on Twitter, like Locked On Bears on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Cox Sports and the number one, and keep submitting your questions for a Friday mailbag podcast. You can call or text 
area code 312-620-8590 to hear yourself and your question right here on the air. You can tweet at Lockdown Bears, Facebook message, we get some on there as well. Or you can just write out an email, LockedOnBears at gmail.com. So no excuse if you've got a Bears question. Too many different ways you can, an- you can have it asked and answered on this podcast. And if you really want to help us out, really want to help this show, tell a fellow Bears fan about Lockdown Bears, how, hey man, we're not seeing any starters in the preseason and it's a little bit hard to watch, but this Bears podcast I listen to, man, gets me my Bears fix every single day and it'll help both of you bear down. <laughs>